Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Marco Santarelli. And I'm super excited to bring him on the show today. He was actually one of the first podcasts that I've ever listened to that actually got us started in our real estate investing journey as well. So his podcast is called Passive Real Estate Investing, and he has over 500 episodes to date. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, be sure to do so. It's fantastic. He's also a two-time 1000 entrepreneur, investor, author, Broadway producer, and founder of Narada Capital Management and Narada Real Estate Investments, the largest nationwide provider of turnkey investment properties. So Marco, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you here today. Welcome and thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Eileen. It's nice to be here and I'm excited to have this conversation with you. It'll be fun. So Marco, I know a lot about your background. I listened to your podcast and we've been following you for years, but can you please share a little bit more about you and how you got started with real estate with our listeners? Yeah. The short version of that long story is I just fell in love with real estate when I was a teenager. And it was something I just wanted to study because I knew that the people who I knew who were financially independent invested in real estate. I didn't know if it was the real reason or the main reason, but I latched onto it and then just started studying real estate and money and entrepreneurship. And I pursued it. And then I bought my first rental property when I was right around 18 years old. And a couple of years later, I got another one and then started selling real estate. And I didn't fast track it, but back when 2003 rolled around and we were in a huge real estate boom, I just decided to hit the gas pedal and go full-time. So I went full-time into real estate investing. And while I was doing that, I started the company that I started 20 years ago, which is Norada Real Estate Investments, which is now one of the largest providers of turnkey investment property. But I got started at a young age. And I always recommend people get started as soon as you can. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the next best time is to plant it today. So just get started as soon as you can, because it's a very, very good, get rich, slow investment. And it is a true wealth creating vehicle. So for people who are thinking about it, get started. For people who are doing it, just do more of it. And in real estate, when we say get started, there's so many different ways that you can get started in real estate, you can get involved in different types of asset classes. So is there one particular, especially in today's market that for new investors, if they're looking to get started or looking to pivot into a different asset class that makes more sense in today's market than it had in the past? Well, if you're talking about all asset classes across the board, then look, this is a good question, but also a big question because If you have the capability to invest in stocks, like stock or equity in a growth company, that can be, although it carries high risk, it can be the fastest way to create a tremendous amount of wealth. That's why you see a lot of private equity firms popping up all over the place and have been around for many, many, many years. But for most people, the best way to invest and to generate wealth and over time, passive income has always been income producing residential real estate. 
you can break real estate down into different areas like commercial, industrial, warehouse, retail, residential, and all that. But residential is probably the best place to be because residential just means a roof over your head. Everybody needs a place to live. We have very strong demand for real estate today. We have an undersupply of real estate. So if you're going to choose an asset class to invest in, invest in something you're comfortable with, something you understand. But I would also suggest that people study or learn what they can about real estate because real estate is a powerful asset class. It allows you to leverage It allows you to take tax benefits over 27 and a half years or more in commercial. It allows you to store and protect your equity. It allows you to grow your equity. It is a natural hedge against inflation because that's just what real estate is. It's sticks, bricks, copper, and concrete that are all put together on a piece of land. So it's a natural hedge against inflation. And over time, it can generate positive cash flow because your income will increase on that property over time as your rents go up. And then if you refinance and lower your debt service, you can certainly increase your rents or your cash flow more on that property. So there's a lot of things you could do with it. You can be strategic with real estate. So that's why it's one of my favorite asset classes. So one of the things also is when you're looking at real estate, a lot of people always ask, what markets are you in? I know for you, you're what you call market agnostic as well. So Mm. can you go into a little bit and explain what that means and why we can diversify and reduce some of the risks by being market agnostic? Yeah. So market agnostic just simply means that you're not married to a particular market. You may live in a very expensive market like a coastal city, Uh, San Francisco, San Diego, New York, wherever it may be. And a lot of the properties in those markets are going to be very expensive, like hundreds of thousands of dollars or a million plus. The problem with that is they don't rent for enough to cover all the expenses and the debt service. So meaning if you were to purchase it with a minimal down payment of 20, 25%, it probably won't cash flow. So that means that you're feeding it every month. You're putting money into that investment to cover the carry costs. So that doesn't make sense. So that means that you need to look at other markets where the numbers do make sense. I have the saying that you should live where you want, invest where it makes sense. And that's what it means. So if you invest in markets that have strong fundamentals, meaning the market is healthy, there's a growth, job growth, ideally population growth, then that market is going to do well in the short term, medium term, and probably the long term. Now, if the numbers make sense in that market, meaning that you can rent that property for enough to cover all the expenses and the debt service and leave you with positive cash flow, even better, because now you have an asset that you own or control that will pay for itself, that generates some positive cash flow and will create equity, in other words, wealth over the years that you own it. But in order to do that, you need to pick markets where you've got those strong fundamentals and the numbers make sense. So when you have those dynamics in place, your investments will do very well over the years, over the long term. Of course, you don't want to do anything stupid like invest in sketchy neighborhoods or non-desirable neighborhoods. You want to obviously do your due diligence and invest wisely. But the whole thing about being market agnostic is that you pick markets that you can invest your capital into real estate in those markets that are going to perform well for you and preserve your capital. And we live in a country where we have over 500 metropolitan statistical areas. I mean, if you look at the micro markets, you can call it thousands. 
there's so many places to invest in that you don't need to just focus on market that doesn't make sense or your backyard just because you grew up there or you live there or you're familiar with it because that's not going to change how your real estate is going to perform and it's not going to change the numbers. Because there's so many markets out there, how do you even get started with looking and evaluating the market fundamentals themselves and whether or not it makes sense? Well, you can use a search engine. (laughs) It's called Google or any other one. I'm telling you the free way to do it. There's a lot of data that you can buy out there. And there are websites, subscription-based websites that will give you some of the information you're looking for. But it's actually not that hard to find the information you're looking for relatively free. And I'll tell you one way to do it. It's kind of an easy hack. If you go to Google, for example, and you type in the name of the market, for example, let's just take Kansas City. You type in Kansas City MO for Missouri housing market or Kansas City population growth or Kansas City migration rates or Kansas City unemployment. You'll pull up all kinds of articles that have already done the research, paid for the data or access the data with or without a cost and compiled it in there for you. And just by reading several paragraphs here and there in the different articles through that research or that due diligence, you can gather what you need to know about that market. And this is true, like Kansas City housing market will give you a lot of that information. It'll show you whether there's an imbalance between supply and demand. It'll even give you like the median and average home price, the median and average rental rate in that market. And those two numbers there will give you a very quick snapshot of whether the numbers will make sense in that market or not. I call it the rent to price ratio or rent to value ratio. And I'll give you just a very quick, simple mathematical example. If the median price is $100,000 in a market or in a neighborhood and it rents for $1,000 a month, that thousand divided into the $100,000 purchase price is 1%. Now, it's pretty hard to hit that 1% today in most markets around the country because property values have appreciated so much in the last five plus years. That used to be the ideal target to hit that 1% in a good neighborhood. Today, it's more like 0.8%. So if you're able to find property in a good market and a good neighborhood that's generating a 0.8% rent to value or rent to price ratio, that's a pretty good find. And of course, there's more due diligence to be done. You want to make sure the property's in good condition. There's no deferred maintenance and it's in a desirable area on a good street and all that kind of stuff. But that quick litmus test will tell you if that market or that neighborhood will make sense numerically in terms of cash flow. But all the rest of the information, the demographics, the migration rates, supply and demand, job growth, all that stuff, You can find it pretty easily online today. There's just so much information out there. And in today's environment within real estate, we hear a lot about the supply is not really there like it used to be. People are holding onto their properties a lot longer than they had in the past. Is it still possible to find these deals that are meeting that 0.8% ratio market? Yeah, there's always inventory out there. There's always deals to be found. I always like to say it's not a question of if I should invest or when I should invest, it's a question of where should I invest? There's deals out there all the time, all around the country. It's just a matter of knowing where to look and putting in the effort to find them either by yourself or with a team or with a real estate agent or a turnkey company like ours. The deals are always out there. We always have a solid pipeline of deals in 25 different markets all the time. So investors never have to look elsewhere. 
The point is, is that the deals are out there and they're always out there in good times and bad recessions or otherwise, they're always there. So it's just, again, doing a little bit of due diligence and building the right team around you to help you find those markets and find those properties. So for me, it's always a good time to invest in real estate. The question is, again, not if or when, but where. There's deals all the time. It's just may not be in the same place five years from now, but they're always out there. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So one of the things that you also talk about too, and a lot is creating that financial freedom and escaping the rat race. So when we're looking at real estate and we're looking at building up that wealth and that trying to create that time freedom for ourselves, that passive income, what are some of the things that you need to watch out for? And then also what are some of the steps as you're looking to grow that portfolio in real estate that we can start to take to build up that wealth and try to attain that financial freedom for ourselves? Well, that's a broad question. It could probably be answered in different ways. But if you're choosing income producing residential real estate as your asset class of choice to invest in, that's great. I have what I call a top-down approach. Many people often make the mistake of looking at finding a property and looking at a property. And what they're looking for, what they're searching for is a good deal, like the property itself. And that's kind of putting the carriage in front of the horse. The way to do it is what I call the top-down approach. And that's start with the market, like big pictures, like the top of a funnel, and you work your way down. So the top of that funnel is essentially choosing the right markets and sub-markets. And it's what we just talked about a few minutes ago, meaning that you're picking markets that are desirable markets, large metro areas like cities, where there's jobs and population growth. There's a broad or diverse industry or economy there. It's not just based on oil and gas or something that's very, very large in terms of its economic makeup. It has a very wide gross domestic product. So you start there and then you work your way down into the areas in that market where it would be most desirable in two ways, tenant interest, like prospective tenants and tenant demand, how big is the tenant pool? And two is parts of that market where values are strong and there's a lot of retail sales because you want the retail sales because you know long-term that's going to help support and grow the market value of those properties. That's where you're going to get the best appreciation rates. And then you work your way down to the neighborhoods that are going to make the most sense. And this is where your team comes in or the professionals that you're working with to help you identify those. So that's the top of the funnel. That's taking the top-down approach. You start with the market, sub-markets, the neighborhoods, then look at the property. The property is kind of like almost the last thing you look at. That's when you start looking at individual properties that are prospective investments within that area, that neighborhood, within the market. And then you narrow it down to the one you're going to buy or maybe the two you're going to buy. And those are the ones that you submit a purchase contract on or an offer. Although that's kind of the end of the funnel, there's really one more piece connected to that. And that is your team. The team you want to build up front, but the team are the people around you 
to help you find it, manage it, fund it, and then the legal and the accounting part of it, which is your asset protection attorney or whoever you're using for asset protection purposes and the accounting side, your bookkeeper and or your tax advisor and or your CPA. That's your core team. So if you have that in place and you take a top-down approach, you'll be able to find deals, good deals in markets all around the country. And they're typically on the Eastern half of the US mostly because the Western half, a lot of the markets have appreciated a lot. Now, that doesn't mean there's not deals on the Western half of the US, but when you get the Midwest flyover country and then the, from the pockets of Northeast all the way down, you find all kinds of great locations to invest in. Are there maybe like three top markets that you're <laughs> focused on now or bullish on at the moment? There would be more than three, but the question is, is what are you looking for? Are you looking for markets that have slow and steady, stable markets that are good cash flow markets? Or are you looking for stronger appreciation potential? Because those markets are not going to cash flow as well. They won't have the same cap rates or cash on cash returns. So it really depends on what you're looking for as an investor. If you don't need the cash flow and you're shooting for the strongest appreciation gains, then you focus on markets that are in strong growth areas like Florida, like a lot of the markets in Florida. The Midwest is more of a cash flow play, meaning that there is still growth and there has been some pretty surprising growth over the last three to four years. But the numbers in terms of cash on cash returns play out better there. Pockets of the Northeast, like many places in Ohio state, Pennsylvania do very well in terms of cash flow. Like even the suburbs of Baltimore, very good in terms of cap rates and cash on cash returns. Not as great in terms of appreciation or appreciation potential, but that's just going to come down to what your strategy as a real estate investor. And for you, Marco, as you're looking at the different markets and you're looking at the different asset classes, we talked a little bit about some of the metrics like the cash on cash cap rates and things like that. Are there certain other metrics that you really need to focus on as you're looking to grow your portfolio, get into different opportunities and deals? Well, I mean, you certainly want to look at your cap rate and the cash on cash return. If you're leveraging your purchase, that's kind of the short term low hanging fruit. That's going to tell you what the property can produce right now on a monthly and annual basis in terms of returns. But the big returns in real estate are the equity gains that come over time, year after year after year, when your mortgage is amortized and the markets are appreciating, which in strong demand areas, they will appreciate because of the dynamics between supply and demand. But on top of that, because of the inflationary environment that we're in, you're going to see appreciation because of inflation as well. So where was I going with this? I remember your question now. I look at markets for me right now, I look at markets that have strong appreciation potential. I don't need the cash flow, So I want to build a portfolio that's going to appreciate well, because then later I can hold equity out through refinancing, or I could just accelerate the mortgage payments and move equity around, kind of rebalance my portfolio. The other question I would like to ask is, especially in today's market, like how do you protect yourself in a downturn and look at some of the risks associated with getting into real estate and mitigating some of those risks as well? Yeah, I think that's what you're touching on, mitigating risk. The best way to mitigate risk with real estate, and it's interesting, I do mention this a fair amount. The best way to mitigate risk in real estate is being in desirable, stable 
areas, like neighborhoods. Like you can pick a good market and you could pick a bad market, but within that market, that larger metro area, there's always going to be the areas where people want to live, the desirable areas and the not so desirable areas. If you pick the right neighborhoods, you actually mitigate a lot of your risk because you're just going to attract the right demographic, the right tenant class, and they're going to treat your property well. 99% of the time, you'll always have a large tenant pool to draw from. So your property will be leased pretty much all the time and you won't have problems leasing it, asking fair market rent. You're not being ridiculous with your rent. To me, that's the best way to mitigate your risk. The market's important, but that's secondary. The condition of the property is important, but that's something you're going to buy right and then keep the property in good condition as time goes on. You're not going to let it fall apart or dilapidate or just let things become issues. You're not going to defer the maintenance. You're going to take care and maintain that property. That's how you mitigate risk. Just have safe, clean, functional housing in good neighborhoods. It'll always be leased. You'll get top dollar for rents and that will generate equity and add to your balance sheet, like your net worth over time. I mean, it just happens. The thing is real estate is very forgiving. Believe it or not, it's a slow moving asset class and it's extremely forgiving. If you're not a ding-dong and investing in the wrong areas, real estate will take care of itself. It's almost like self-healing. So Marco, what's next for you? I've got my fingers in so many different things. Well, I mean, I'm always going to be investing in real estate, doing stuff related to real estate, helping hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of investors invest in real estate, educating them, helping them buy their first, second, third, fifth, tenth property. That's just going to be an ongoing thing. But two of my business partners and some other ventures are kind of adding on to what we're doing in the real estate space by providing financial education through master classes, masterminds. We've got some pretty big initiatives going on right now. One initiative is called the Aspire Tour. We do at least one major event per month in a different city. And that can be found at aspiretour.com. That website changes like literally by the week. So we put on these major events and bring people in and educate them on money, entrepreneurship, mindset, real estate, whatever it is that will improve their financial future. And then from there, we show them other pathways that they can pursue to fill in the knowledge gap that they have if it's something they're interested in. So that's kind of a bolt on to everything else, but it's becoming what my partner, Andrew, calls the beast. It's becoming so big because we're touching literally thousands upon thousands of people every single month. So that's kind of the exciting thing I'm working on right now. (laughs) In terms of financial education, where have you seen to be the most common misconception about finances and as finances and how people think about money? That's a good question. There's probably many answers to that. I think people need to understand that money, I think tool, it's a means to an end. We don't work for money for the sake of having a stack of cash. It's what we can do with it. One thing that Eddie, one of my business partners and I and Andrew are big on, very passionate about is purpose, giving back. Yeah, you can design your lifestyle. You can have a great lifestyle. You could be financially free and have all the time freedom you want, and which is great. It's a great goal to aspire and achieve. But what's beyond that? For us, it's really giving back. You know, We have a nonprofit organization called Impact others. It's impactothers.com. We're feeding thousands and educating thousands of children all around the world, providing them clean drinking water that they never ever had, food on a daily basis for nutrition, education, and all that stuff. So 
a lot of what we're doing is driving money and effort into purposes like that. So for me, that's an important thing. For my partners, it's an important thing. So money's important, but money is a means to an end. It's just something that I think people should educate themselves on, figure out how to make it, how to grow it, how to protect it. These are things that we talk about in all the different events that we put on. But then what else do you do with it? So you can reinvest it, but you can also help other people, help humanity and make the world a better place. So that's kind of like a weird answer maybe to your question, but that's the way I look at things. And how has real estate investing impacted your life, Marco? Well, I mean, it put me on a path that I don't ever regret. I look back and I'm glad I did what I did. I learned a lot. I made a lot of mistakes, lost money, made money. But yeah, it's certainly impacted my life. It's helped me with my net worth. It's helped me with passive income. It's helped me build a business wrapped around real estate. Would I do it again? Yeah. But knowing what I know today, and this is kind of certainly a lesson, a takeaway for anybody listening to this. If I were to do it over again, I would have started sooner. But anybody listening to this, I would say, yeah, start as soon as you can. But if I were to do it over again, I would do more of it faster. I would just go all in and focus on getting as much real estate as quickly as I could. Even if it was just one property a year, that's fine. But I would just make it my goal and my focus to get that one property per year, every year until I got five or 10 or 15 of them. Because once you get to that point, you can pretty much set it up where you're financially free. You'd be financially independent once you get to 10 to 15 properties, if you do it right. But yeah, I mean, of course it's made an impact in my life. That's where I started is in real estate. And if there was one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing, what would that be? Well, I can boil that down very simply. It really comes down to taking action because I like to say there's three types of people in the world. And we all fit into these three different categories at different times in our life and in different areas. But I always half jokingly say there's three kinds of people in the world. There's those people who make things happen. Those are the action takers, the rainmakers. They make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. They watch the other people create financial independence and invest in real estate and educate themselves and do all the things. So there's people who make things happen. There's the people who watch things happen. And then there's those people who wonder what happened. <laughs> you don't want to be in that category. <laughs> so, because at that point, it's too late, right? You look back and you think, oh crap, I missed the boat. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> right. Awesome. Marco, where can listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Well, there's my personal website at marcosantarelli.com. And then there's our real estate website at Norada realestate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, Norada, realestate.com. And those are the the two best places to find me and my team. Fantastic. Marco, thank you so much for all of your time today. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. Thank you, Eileen. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. 
Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.